Welcome back to Yorkshire Grit. Starting to get a bit of momentum with these podcasts at the moment. Start to pull my finger out. Not literally. And um, anyway, today, really lucky to be joined by um, a bit of a friend of mine. Probably the best cycling photographer out there, Russ Ellis. Russ, hello. Hello, Tommy. How are you? Oh, good day. Good day, mate. Thanks for... um, Thanks for coming over to um, to Battle. No problem. I can't remember the last time I saw you. When was it? Oh, mate, mate, it must have been a while ago now. Definitely, poor. Oh. Few years. Good few years. Probably before 2019. So you reckon? Eight. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, because I did 2019. I did pretty much most of the. Yeah, it must have been around 2019 because 2020 I was doing some work. I was in Australia, and then COVID kicked off. Yeah. And then I was basically still stuck in Australia for a bit. Then I came back and did the the season that had been. Uh, postponed so obviously they restarted with Strada Bianchi in the middle of July and then I did all of that then I went back to Australia in the November and then I was stuck in Australia for all of 21 because they basically closed the borders and so it's got to have been 2019 maybe yeah. so are you splitting yourself between Australia and the UK yeah pretty much yeah yeah. it's not particularly even split I basically come over here when this season basically after Belgium after the spring classics I'll come over here for a little while yeah do this then I'll do the spring classics then come back here for a little while and then um Potentially go back to Oz or sometimes stay here and then go and do the Giro. Normally, I'll probably do a few weeks here, then go back to Oz, then come back for the for the tour. Yeah. Uh, but this year, Liz has come over here, so that's my partner. So we're all over here now, so we're going to stay over here till potentially after the Vuelta before we go back. Right. So do you have a place in Australia? Yep, we yeah. do. Yep. Where else is that? Um, so Scarborough. So joking. Um, it's called Scarborough. Yeah. Typical. So Western Australia. So we're not far from the beach. So and what's it like good. over there? Yeah, I love it. It's very good. Do you good. like it? Super chill, yeah. Um, do you like it more than Leeds? Yeah. It's a weird one, really, because cause obviously we do a lot of cycling. It's a bit of a it's a bit of a weird one because the weather's absolutely perfect. It hardly ever rains, so you can literally ride all year round in bibs and a jersey. You don't need any winter gear. But then it hasn't got the Yorkshire roads and the dales and the hills and the climbs and the kind of character that the riding's got around here. There's like a river loop where you literally ride around, around the river. It's pretty flat. Or you can potentially go to what they class as the hills, but it's not like... It's not proper hills. But yeah, I really like it. The weather. The weather is just amazing. Do you know what? We've been so lucky recently with the weather. Yeah. It's the first time I've enjoyed riding in here because the winters are long in the UK. Not crazy long. And, you know, when it's those cold, dark, grey days in Grassington or (laughs) Otley or something, it's, you know, you can see why people... Oh, yeah. You know, who was I I speaking to? I was speaking to someone the other day about this. If you you can do a full winter in Yorkshire and train... Mm. You'll go well off it, but, oh, yeah. but I think it will take years off your life mentally. <laughs> well, I had the... Uh, so in 2018, um, I was at the tour, and then someone took a not particularly flattering picture off the TV, and I was looking a bit a bit chubs, and I was like, oh, I'm going to have to sort mm. myself out a little bit here. So yeah. I came back after the Tour de France, and then I had that whole of 2018. Well, well, after the tour, I did a little bit, and then did the Vuelta, and then I did the whole of the winter, because I was living in Ilkley at the time. So I went from basically September to January. Every day I went out on the bike. Wow. Just wet weather. Even even in the wet? Even oh. when it's raining. Do you know, like, normally, if you go out and it starts raining, it's okay. But mm. leaving the house when it's raining is the tough one. But I was like, right, I'm determined I'm doing this. And I was just in the winter gear. Full winter gear up every day. I did, not not miles, just 40, 50k. Um, Burnsall Loop, back to Ilkley. Every day. I went from, like, 95k to 75k in six months. Wow, good man. And that's, but yeah, it probably did take years off my life. It was so cold. It's just, yeah, it's, it, 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 I think it mentally, 
it's just you know I was, do you know what I was going to do the other day I was thinking of you I was descending down Weirdly Bank and I was you know the road surface and then I was up near I don't know I was looking at the roads again I was going to take a picture when a particularly bad road surface mm. I was going to do a bit of a collage mm. going like to you know imagine living in like Spain or Alcudi where it's pan you know that nice tarmac yeah yeah oh and then, but in Leeds and in, you know, especially in Yorkshire and North Yorkshire, and I'm sure even down south, that road surface is just, you know, it's unforgiving. And it just, oh, yeah. it, it over time, it can, well, it cracked me over time. Mm. Oh, yeah, that's another thing with, over in Australia in Perth, the roads are all like pristine. That tarmac, pristine, that nice. super smooth tarmac. And see, see, I would ride more yeah. if I knew, you know, yeah. it was, but, you know, when you leave Headingley and you go up to London, it's all uphill. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's just... Oh, yeah. Oh, it's definitely... It's not the easiest place to ride a bike. No. But you get fit without training, York, so that's the thing as well. If you can get yourself out the door, yeah. you train without knowing you're training. May, uh, yeah. Because if you want to finish up Prescott Lane or... Yeah. Yeah, I would say that. Yeah. yeah. But um, anyway, look, I digress. Let's, um, I suppose, go back to the start, really. Mm. We were just chatting earlier about yeah. how you kind of... Because before, you weren't always a photographer. You kind no. of... did you? Would you say you fell into it through cycling? Yeah, pretty much, yeah. <clears throat> well, if I go all the way back, I've always had an interest in cameras. I always used to have, like, a little point-and-shoot camera. Pervert. Um, <laughs> yeah, I always used to... I always used to, like, um, I always used to have a little point-and-shoot when they first came out and always do have an interest and say, oh, that looks pretty good, I'll take a picture of that. So I guess I always had a bit of an eye for it. Yeah. But nothing more than that, really. And then when my daughter was born, so she's, like, almost 16 now, so I bought a camera when she was born. I bought myself a proper DSLR. Yeah. And then basically just went on the internet and learned how to use it. Because I figured if I can learn to use this, <clears throat> then I can document her growing up without having to pay for particular shoots or anything like that. Or that's nice, that's yeah, so that's kinda... how, how much was the camera? Oh, um, it was probably like 350 quid. Like a basic Nikon kit lens, bottom of the line DSLR camera. And were you working at the time? Yeah, so I was working. So doing IT. So I did IT for like 20, 25 years, kind of software testing in an office, nine to five. And did you not like that? Not liking it. Because it seems so different well, it is, yeah. not to like, what you do yeah. now. Well, it is, yeah. Well, not liking it's a strong word. I guess it was easy enough because I'd literally go into the office and it was when... Where, where was the office? So I started off in Leeds. So I was working for Halifax Share Dealing to start with. Um, I was kind of just on the phones to start with, just doing um, share sales and things. Then I moved into a, like a user testing role where I was testing the systems. And then I thought, oh, this is okay. And then I ended up working for a specific IT company over in York. And it's kind of when, like, Sky Go and iPlayer and YouTube and all that kind of stuff was kind of starting, I guess. Um, and the company I worked for were one of the key developers that developed all that. So I was tasked with checking that all the video players worked on all the different handsets and on Xboxes and Playstations. So it wasn't a particularly difficult job. You'd go in and you'd have to just test that that stuff was working. And yeah. it wasn't that stressful. So it wasn't that I didn't like it. It was just pretty monotonous. And Did pretty, you ride a bike, though? Pretty boring. Um, yeah, kind of. Did a bit of mountain biking. Yeah. Did a bit of road riding, but not not heaps. And then I'm trying to think when it was. So I think when the kids were about four or five, one of my friends said to me, oh, we're going on a lad's holiday to Alp d'Huez. We're going to do some riding. And I didn't have a bike at that point. I'd had bikes. And yeah. then when the kids came along, I didn't really have time to ride because you're always, you're always looking after the kids. Yeah, I imagine, yeah. So I basically just sold all the bikes. And that kind of coincided with the same time I bought the camera. So the bikes had kind of gone. I had the camera and I was learning how to use that. Um, and yeah, and then some friends said, oh, we're off to Alpdress to do a bike holiday. Do you want to come? So I was like, oh, I'm going to have to go. 
Really? So, yeah, Cycling so, powder is as yeah, a holiday. Yeah, yeah. That's how sick cyclists are, <laughs> aren't they? It, yeah. <laughs> it's not Ibiza, Malia. <laughs> no, we'll just go up to Alpes d'Huez as a yeah, holiday. We're we'll just going right up to it, yeah. So I bought a bike, um, just a little Cannondale, and went over there, did that, and then just got into it, really, just enjoyed it. And that was basically, it was about the time that Alborossa launched. And everyone was kind of getting more into cycling, and I kind of did a little bit with them. Do you remember when cross tracks went? Well, yeah, so this is it. So obviously, I knew Ed and stuff, and I did a bit of riding with him because I can remember you used to come in and clean your bike when, mm. you, when you were riding for. Um, no, four. I yeah. used to clean my bike there because yeah, I lived in a flat. Yeah, yeah. And I always used And he used to let me. Yeah, no, I always used to be in there doing stuff, and then you'd come in after your ride, and then you'd just whack it in there, give it all a clean spray, WD 40 on everything. Such and a leave. nice guy. Um, Maybe too nice to run a business. Yeah, it was lovely, Ed, wasn't he? Yeah. But yeah, probably because that that shop had no right to fail where it was really. No, fuck yeah! <laughs> if you're gonna have a bike shop, yeah, it was the, the passing place. trade of Otley yeah. Road, crazy. Yeah, big shout out to Cross Tracks. Yeah, for sure. And I think if you think about it now, where it's gone, I mean, it was probably a little bit too early. If you think how everything is now, if he had that now and it had a coffee culture and people had pre-ride coffees there Hipster and you went coffee, and you had all that stuff and yeah, and you did all the chain gang. People went there first, got a coffee, got some food. It could be massive. But, it still could be. Yeah. It still could be in that area. Yeah. But yeah, anyway, so I um, can't remember what to do now. So yeah, got the bike. Went to Alpdoes. Went to Alpdoes, did that, enjoyed it, did a bit with Alborossa, and then Neil at Dirt Wheels, started mm. riding for Dirt Wheels team, rode for them, did a year with those guys, um, did a few Cat 3, Cat 4 races. Yeah. Got pipped by Johnny Tomes at um, York to second place in the fourth Cat race. Nice. And then went up to the one... Um, What's the one? Prissick. Prissick. Oh, yeah, up in Teesside. Yeah, went up to Prissick at Teesside and won a race up the hair. Good man. Got myself to third cat. Nice. Like flying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hard to do. <laughs> yeah, and then the following year, um, first race, went to Prissick again, fell off, broke my collarbone. Oh. And then I was like, ah, okay, that's done. So then I was just going to races to watch the races. And then when I was there watching, I was like, oh, hang on a minute. This would be a cool place to take pictures. Wow, so this is so that, how... That was it, basically. I was just like... I'm Russ here. Ellis emerged. Yeah, so I was basically stood there thinking, I'm enjoying watching this, but actually there's some cool opportunities for pictures here because you've got landscape pictures, you've got people pictures, portraits, sport, action. You, there's everything. And it kind of just sparked that, I want to get my camera. So I literally just took my camera to the next race, started taking pictures, putting them on Facebook. And I think it was kind of, I don't know, I've been doing it a few months and I went to the National Hill Climb and did the National Hill Climb, put those onto Facebook, and I got so many messages from people, oh, did you get a picture of me, did you get a picture of me? And then I was getting people messaging me saying, oh, I did the Hill Climb like 30 years ago, and all of these pictures took me right back to what it was like. And I think it's because I kind of did a storytelling way of doing it. Um, I know we were chatting earlier, and you mentioned that at the time there was a lot of people who would just sit on one particular corner, and they'd just take a picture of every rider coming round, yeah. and then they'd just try and sell everyone a picture of themselves. So I'm, this is my claim to fame. So it was that road race... It was round Roebuck. It was the Chevin Evening Series. Yeah. I think it was one of the first races you'd done. And I remember you showing me the photos after. And I remember specifically, I think I messaged you as well, saying, well, never seen anything like that before. You're different. You must have a, try and have a, you'll probably delete it now. And I, and I said, you'll be, you're going to be, you're going to do this. Yeah. I was fucking right. I tell you what, I think that, that that set of pictures, I think, is still on my old Flickr account, which I can no longer get into, but you can still uh, see them. <laughs> I've got it because I was in a green jersey. Yeah, 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 I think you were. Yeah, yeah and I just thought, no one had took photos like that before. Mm. Everyone, like you said, it was just your generic kind of, not saying they were boring, but you were, I'm trying to think, you wanted to add maybe life and you wanted to add maybe kind of, um, you know, 
meaning, yeah. not just... Yeah, just kind of tell a story of the event, really, rather than just the sporting side. The emotion. The human side of it and everything, and yeah. And I, think that's emotion, what, yeah. and I think that's what you do best now. Thanks, mate. That's what I try and do. <laughs> um, so, started taking photos at Prizzy. Blah, 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 blah. A few more races. Yep. You know, you've obviously ended up doing the, you know, bloody fucking sort of, you know, so there must have been a bit of a... Yeah, so I kind of, I was doing it for a little while alongside the day job. And then there was a guy... Um, that I knew that was a writer, did a bit of writing for Cycling Weekly magazine, um, who I used to ride with locally, and he basically just turned around and said, oh, I know the art director of the magazine, obviously. Um, if you want to put a portfolio together, I'll send you work over. So I quickly set up a website. And I think it was about the same sort of time I set up cycling images on Instagram as well. I thought, oh, well, I'll set up a specific Instagram just for my cycling pictures so it's not, like, lost in my day-to-day -day Instagram. Um, so I set up cycling images, set up a website, sent all the details down to the guys at cycling weekly and it was quite funny because the day job that i mentioned every now and again i went to london to work with that job because they had an office in london mm. and i literally got an email from cycling weekly saying oh we've had a look at your portfolio is there any chance you can come and have a chat with us in london oh no and i was like i'm actually in london today with my other job yeah, yeah. it's like the chances so i was like i can pop around so i literally popped around saw them and they were like oh yeah we really like your website we're going to commission you to do one of our shoots i'm not surprised because you know uh, yeah so, yeah, I went and did a shoot with Dave Beckett, one of my mates. I just basically took him... I took saw him. him. Did you? On Tuesday night around Meanwood. Oh, really? We got chatting. Riding or was he just walking? He was testing out his new mountain bike. Oh, no. He does surfing now. Oh, yeah, he does. Well, he's always done surfing, to be honest. He loves his surfing. He was always in the camp of... He was either riding his bike oh. or surfing. He didn't do them, like, together. He kind of, like, he'd have a session, like, six months, he'd forget about his bike and he'd just go surfing and vice versa. Yeah, I saw him. We had a good chat. Yeah, he's a good guy. But I used him as my muse. Um, as we, you what? My muse. He was my muse, like kind of my my inspiration. He was like the one I used for all of my shoots, like my model. All right. So he's my okay. model and my inspiration for all the yeah. early shoots I did. I was like, whenever I needed to do a shoot, I was like, oh, Dave, can you come and ride the bike and model for me? Because yeah. looks pretty good on the bike, doesn't he? So I just want someone who looks good on the bike. He makes taking pictures a bit easier as well. So I got him. You forget about that. You know, yeah, you forget about... Because is it hard to polish a turd? Well, you know, I mean, I've listened to some of your podcasts in the past. I think I listened to the last one you had, and um, you know what cycling's like. It's very aesthetic, isn't it? So yeah. people and magazines are probably not going to want to put someone who doesn't look like a stereotypical cyclist on the front cover. I mean, I think that's changing a little bit. How dare they? Exactly. It's 2023. Exactly. But, I mean, I don't How know How dare they? I mean, I, I mean, I'm assuming that's changing now, but it, it never has been, has it, like that? You would normally... Well, it's funny because it was ASOS... I always call it ASOS. Is it ASOS? Do you know what? I call it ASOS as well. Yeah. And um, someone actually sent it to me, and it was the new spring-summer, mm. and it was a skeletal guy on the drop. Oh, okay. See his spine, da 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 ribs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this guy said, Tom, you know, what do you think to that? And I thought, well, I hadn't given it much thought, but now I look at it, you know, it's kind of... Um, would they ever put, you know, someone like me, or some of, you know, me back, I was never skinny, you know, would they have ever used me as a model? Or, and you look at all these, you know, like, um, past normal. And, yeah. Because, you know, these people, when they do these yeah. generic shoots. Well, I've noticed over the years, like, Rafa never used to have anyone that didn't look like a skinny cyclist, but they have over the last few years. They have normal, normal, well, we say normal. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? We don't yeah. have, like, your well, typical, stereotypical Well, people have to tick boxes now. Yeah. They have to tick, you yeah. know, it's the way... You know, it's the way it is. No, you have to tick. You know, everyone's got to be from a different kind of background, and yeah. yeah. But yeah, but yeah. It, yeah. It, it 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 lends itself to the thing that you know, cycling. You know, you do you do have to be skinny, and you do have to kind of look a certain way. But 
you know, would someone in a, on a photo shoot look good if they were fat? You know, yeah, it's it's not going to sell, is it? Well, that's the thing, isn't it? It's like, not going to. I don't know. I mean, luckily, I don't really do any of that stuff anymore, so I don't have to stress about it. But, <laughs> but yeah, but but back then, anyway, it was Dave. Dave was my guy, my go-to. So yeah, I did a few shoots with him. Sent the first one back to Cycling Weekly, and they were like, they were blown away with it. Like, this was is it? amazing. We've not had. Um, anything like this before and you're like the Van Gogh you're like Picasso <laughs> you created a new kind of do you know what I mean though well yeah I, I, you know yeah. how like Picasso what did he do modernism no I can't remember yeah. but you know how all these artists come along and like yeah. you know Tracy Emin Warhol Russ Ellis don't get the same money as those boys though um, I remember I could have went I'm dead maybe someone will spend three million on a Tour de France picture I don't know and then hey they could do <laughs> and then so Cycling Weekly went well, got a gig with them, yeah, smashed so, it with them. Yeah, so I kind of was doing, working with them alongside my day job. So it was every now and again I was doing jobs for them. But it, so it was kind of, it was, it was almost enough money to get by on, but it wasn't enough to live on, you know, so it was kind of... She had the best of both worlds, really. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, so I was making a bit of money on the side yeah. and then obviously doing the day job. Were you paying tax, Russ? Oh, of course I was, yeah. Of course I was, Tommy. Hope you were. Shh. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, so basically I was doing that. Everything was good. And then um, it was a random phone call while I was in the day job out of the blue um, from a guy called Gareth Winter I don't know if you might have known Gareth Winter Ruler he's done stuff for lots of different people but he was working for Sky at the time by Sky he was working for this is where it always gets confusing so he was working for the broadcast company Sky in their cycling department uh, marketing department that dealt with all of their sponsorship so obviously at the time Sky was sponsoring Team Sky they were sponsoring Team GB I think and I think they may have been sponsoring Wiggins. So they were sponsoring Team Wiggins, was sponsored by Sky. Uh, mm. GB was sponsored by Sky, and obviously had Brailsford's Team Sky. Because they were all on dog. Yeah, I remember yeah. that. So yeah. then, um, yeah, I got a phone call out of the blue saying, oh, this is Gareth Winter from Sky. Um, I don't know if you're aware, but obviously Sky have been sponsoring Team Sky for X number of years now, and we want to celebrate it. So they wanted to do a campaign where they had the little blue love heart on their sleeves. I don't know if you can remember that. Sky, I remember the Sky Ocean cycling. and I remember the... Yeah, it was pre-Ocean, because that's when I was working Sky. Yeah, this the was... green kit ones, trees one. Yeah, 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 yeah. So this was basically... <clears throat> I can't remember what year it was. It might have been 15... It might have been 15, 16, I can't remember. But, um, yeah, he said, oh, we want to shoot the campaign. And I've been tasked with finding a new photographer to shoot the campaign. And I've basically just been looking through Instagram trying to find someone. Came across your work. It looks different. Do you want to come and shoot this campaign for us? Yeah, I was yeah. like, oh, yeah, no problem if I can get the time off work next week. And he was like, right, fine. Well, we'll fly you to Monaco next week. Monaco? Yeah, we'll fly you to Monaco, Team Sky, Villa. And we're going to shoot all of that if you want to do that next week. So I was like, oh, yeah, I'll do that. Fuck yeah. So day job, yeah. IT, yeah. in Leeds. Talking to Karen about yeah. what she's getting for lunch from Boots Meal <laughs> Deal. Pretty much. To Monaco. Yeah. And then I basically just arrived. Who in was on the team then? So I'm not sure who was on the team, but when I arrived, I got picked up in a car, took her to the villa, and then we just went up to the, one of the main rooms in the villa where we were doing like a... I was basically doing behind-the-scenes pictures while they were interviewing the riders. And then I, I can always remember, I was just sat on the bed with Gareth and one of the other sound guys and the video guy. And I was, All right. I was, sat, yeah, <laughs> I was sat there. So there's, it doesn't get any more sorted than that. Um, and then G came in. Um, G. So big G came in and Gareth was like, oh, G, this is Russ. He's like one of the best photographers around. He's come to shoot this. Yeah. So I was like, wow, that's pretty good praise already. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Which is true though. Yeah, well, thank you. And so did some of that. And then Froomey came in, did some pictures with Froomey. Um, and then Rowie was there as well, did some pictures with Rowie. Yeah. Then we all went out on the night and then we did some shooting the next day on one of the mountains, like in like a um, video car where we sat in the car 
um, taking hanging out the boot. Yeah, basically taking pictures yeah. of them descending and all that business. And then, do you find that boring now? Um, a little when, bit. When another company brings out the winter range and it's like another cyclist on the drops going up, uh, you know, Formentera or so, you know, do you, do you go, come on, let's try and... Yeah, it's difficult now though, isn't it? Because I don't know, well, we can get onto that later, I guess, with not just that becomes difficult, but all of it becomes difficult because diff everyone's... Doing it. Everyone's doing it. Yeah. So it's difficult to do something new. Every year I'm determined to try and do something new. It must be... Um, so hard. What's What was Chris Froome like then? Yeah, really nice. Well, this is. Oh, come on, Russ. This don't, is a, don't, just, honest, don't, honest, don't, don't just say to me. That's really nice. <laughs> well, honest to God, well, I'll expand on that. He's one of the nicest guys I've ever met. Mm -hmm. Genuinely. Everyone says that. No, I'll tell you a little story in a second, but he is genuinely, he's genuinely super nice. He would do anything for anyone. You, he, to say he's won, what's he won, like four oh, yeah. Tour de France, is like he is the most down to earth guy you'll ever meet. And that's not me just saying it. We were at one of the Tour de France's one year. Oh, was it was it a tour? It might have been the Giro, one where he had a ropey knee. I think he fell off in the time trial. It must have been the Giro when he came back late and won the Giro. With Yates, because he, he, yeah. Yeah, he did that mad attack yeah, so for Froome, like 70k. So Froome had a really ropey knee, like not good at all. And I'd gone to see one of the team physios, because I had a bit of a bad back. And one of the physios was like, oh, pop up this afternoon, I'll have a look at your back for you. So I was in the physio's room just getting my back done. And then the door knocks, Froome comes in. So I've just come to um, get my knee looked at. And I was like, oh, yeah, no worries. I jumped up. And I was like, yeah, you come in, you come in. And he was like, no, no, it's fine. You can stay. You can stay. And I'm like, no, no, mate, honestly, like <laughs> you're the leader and yeah. you, you come to get your knee done. I'm just like one of the staff members just getting my back looked at. But he was more than happy to leave a Wait. staff member yeah. having his back looked at while Froome went off and didn't come back. Like, I thought that was pretty amazing for someone as big as him to be so like... If it was me, or I'd have been petulant. I'd yeah. have been neurotic. You can imagine, uh, there'd, be angry, a lot, you can imagine yeah. there'd be a lot of big, big name riders who'd be like, why are you in here? I need to get my knee sorted out. Off yeah, you go. or you'd be angry. You, yeah, yeah, you'd want to... It was so nice. It's yeah, honestly, that is honestly, quite so touching, nice. that. Yeah, But Froomey's kind of the big part of this story, I guess, going forward. So, yeah, so I did all that in Monaco. Got back to my day job on the Thursday, and then literally the minute my, my ass hit the seat, I just sat down and I was like, oh, I can't do this anymore. No, you like, can't. I can't sit in an office anymore when I've just been doing that. That's like, like going on a night that. out clubbing. Gone on a high, you want to come down? Yeah, yeah, you can't do that. So I literally just went and saw my manager and said, look, um, um, what's the deal with me getting more time off? I'm going to be able to take unpaid holidays to do more work. And he was like, look, what what are you actually going to do here? He says, how long have you got left? You might as well just go and give it a go. And I was like, do you know what? You're probably right. And I had a three-month notice period to work anyway, so I literally handed my notice in there and then. Yeah. And then it was like panic stations. I was like, oh, my God, I don't know if I'm going to get enough work. Um, it's a brave decision that Russ fucking yeah. hell yeah well that was it it was kind of well and I spoke to a few family members and friends and they were like well you're better off doing it and it not working and then going back to your day job than regretting never doing it yeah so I did yeah. so I made the jump but I've known quite a few people who've been good photographers from then to now that have not made the jump because they didn't because they don't want to take the risk Who's that other good lad, that young lad from Huddersfield? Joe Cottrell or something, is it, Joe? Oh, I recognise his name, yeah. He was around for quite a while, quite early doors. I used to be around a lot, but I don't see him as much. No. I was on Park Rush of him for the struggle. Yeah, I've definitely, um, I definitely... I remember him, yeah. So you took the plunge? Yeah, so I took the plunge. Um, and then it kind of just worked in that... Because I was not working and I was, I was available, when anyone came to me, can you work? Yeah, I can work. You don't have to get the day off. You don't have to do this. And I was getting myself to a few races anyway, just to put my name out there. And then I think it was literally, it was only two or three months after Monaco. It was coming towards the end of the season. 
Um, and I got a message, so I, in fact, jumped back a little bit. So what happened was, obviously, I gave all of those pictures I took to Sky and Gareth, the broadcaster, mm -hmm. and then they used them in their advertising. And I think they must so have... How many days' work was that? Three, I want to say three. Go on, how much did you charge them? Nowhere near enough. I probably charged them, like, 300 quid a day. You, do you charge more now? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, there's a worse one. There's a worse story than that. I'll tell you a worse one than that. Um, I'll finish this bit and then yeah, I'll yeah. come. Yeah, and I'll come back to the. Three hundred quid a day is not bad though for. No, and especially like it was add on to my my job. And obviously, and it's, in, you know, I, I probably... it's not like work for you, is it? No, I just enjoy no. it. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's obviously everything's paid for: flights, food, everything. Yeah, yeah, and that's yeah. just cash, just for the day. But yeah, free, it's, it's... free bike. Uh, it'd be nice, wouldn't it? Way too low. It was. I charged way too low. But obviously, you have to remember as well that I was trying to get into it. Yeah. So it's a fine line between not knowing what you can charge and what you can't charge and not wanting to scare them off. I didn't want to say three grand a day and then them never come back. They might have paid that. But the way that this went, yeah, I didn't get a lot for that. But then what happened was all the pictures went to the broad to Sky the Broadcaster and then they gave a selection of them to Team Sky for Team Sky to use. On their Instagram. On their Instagram yeah. and stuff. And then what happened was I got a message from Froomey's wife saying, oh, you've got some really nice pictures of Chris at this event you did. Um, I've never really seen any good pictures of him smiling like that. You've really captured him. Can we buy some of the pictures? And I was like, there's no way I'm charging you for pictures. Mm. Like, no chance. Like, and what do you do? Would you say, oh, yeah, 100 euros? And then what happens is it's awkward because they've got, to, they've got to work out how to give me 100 euros. It's just a hassle and it's a faff. And I've already been paid for the pictures. So I was like, no, no, it's fine. I'll send them. You can have whichever Better you want. Better to give them free and have a friend for, you know, make a friend, yeah. Well, this is where the story carries on, I guess. So, yeah, so I did that, gave the pictures, all good. And then two or three months later, I got a phone call from Team Sky, from Fran, from Miller. And said, oh, can you come in and have a chat with us? We're thinking about maybe using you um, next year for our team photographer because Scott Mitchell's um, leaving. So I went where to Where was he going? I'm not sure what he was doing, to be honest. Um, don't know where he was going. But he was leaving. I think he was kind of, he was more Brad's man. So when right. Brad was at Ineos, he was there. Uh, sorry, at Team Sky. Yeah. He was with Brad and then Brad had left a few a year before, I think. And yeah, they were looking for a transition, I think. Um, so I went and met Fran at the Velodrome in Manchester. And we were having a chat and we were talking about bits and bobs. And then she mentioned Michelle and Chris and pictures and what have you. And I was like, oh, yeah, I know Michelle. I said, I gave her some pictures of Chris. Um, and she's like, oh, yeah, I know. Because she was the one that phoned me and told me to get you a job. No way. Seriously. Isn't that, yeah, fucking hell. Yeah. So there you go. And then the rest is history, really. Started working for Sky and then after that it just went boom. But yeah, just uh, while you're just digesting that, go back to the bit about the underpaying. So I also did a few more bits for Sky after I'd done the Team Sky thing. And I went down to McLaren HQ and did some of the F1 stuff. So it was when they were, when Sky had first purchased F1. Um, and it was when the Halo was coming out the first year. Sky had purchased Sky um, Formula One for the first time. So I went down to do a shoot with Fernando Alonso and then Max Verstappen. And I was, again, I was behind the scenes. So they'd sold it as you come down. But Sky never had a, Sky never had a Formula One car. No, no, they just, where well, they were just. They had the channel. They had the channel. So yeah, it was a bit sorry, like when the, the premiership channel. started, yeah, I guess. Yeah. They wanted to advertise, they've now got, they've now got F1. You have to yeah, pay a subscription sorry, Sky Plus. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So they was like. It's supposed to be really cool down there. Yeah, the McLaren. Yeah, the McLaren headquarters is unbelievable. Yeah, the Cole did. Um... Oh yeah, because they did the speed suit mm. stuff, didn't they? Yeah, it looks cool. It's a properly cool venue. Imagine working there. Yeah, yeah, pretty cool. But yeah, we went down there, um, and it was sold to me in the same principle as the Sky, as the Team Sky one. Oh yeah, we're going to be doing a video filming some adverts for the TV, 
um, can you come and do some behind the scenes pictures? So I was like, yeah, fine, of course I can. And I just basically charged them the same, I don't know, three, three fifty yeah. a day. And then we got down there and they were like, oh yeah, we need like four pictures for billboards. And then it was basically a national billboard campaign. Four of my pictures were all over the country. But can you have your name on it, on the billboard? Well, no, it's not even that. Like, I, don't, I didn't know that. And because I was so naive and young and I hadn't, I didn't have an agent or I didn't know anything. Do you have an agent now? Do you have... no, 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 no. Don't, don't really, don't, not don't what I do one. now, I don't really need one. But for that job, I charged him like 600 quid, like two days. Should have been 10, 20 grand, probably. For a billboard type thing. For yeah. a billboard national campaign. Everywhere I drove in Bradford, there was my pictures on billboards. All the way down to London. Do you not think they should have, like, yeah, no, they're, they're buzzing, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. 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 But I didn't know because I was obviously just getting into it and young and naive. And... So t- tell us about the tour. Tell us yeah. about the tour and the grand tour and what, and what that's like. Long. Yeah. Long and tiring, but ultimately it doesn't really feel like work, even though it is work. Do you get people coming up to you? Um, every now and again. You get the odd person who follows me on Instagram and recognises me, you get the odd shout on a mountain and a, so, the, the, the odd selfie. <laughs> so, stage two, mm-hmm. pan flat, sprinter. Do you think to yourself, well, there's only going to be one good shot here? Or, yeah. do you, or do you try and think, do you look at the route and go, oh, well, you know, that, that could be, you know, there's a bit of a hill there, intermediate, you know, and if there's a, um, the stage of Wout Van Aert one, yeah, last year and yeah. it went up the um, little, little yeah. kicker at the end. Would you think to yourself, gonna get there? Um, yes. Or, or do you all talk to each other? So what? So it, what it is? So I used to just basically work on my own, really. Um, and now I kind of work with a few other people. So we've got like a bunch of clients. The problem is when I first started, I was just working for Team Sky. So when you're working for one team, you can kind of everything's all about them. So. It's, it's, a easier, lot, it's a lot easier. Yeah. yeah. And you kind of know what they're after. And at the time, I was traveling around in the Swanee car and stuff. So you only get certain stops. So it was more about photographing around the hotel and that one particular team. And when I started then working for Specialized, it was more out on the road. But I was still only working for two teams. So it's, it's quite easy. And Specialized didn't always want the hands up in the air at the end, the finish line shot, because okay. a lot of teams um, pay Getty as well. So they can just get Getty. What is Getty Images? Well, it's just like a massive agency, isn't it? They're just like a photo stock library of everything. They just have an agency of photographers that go around and shoot every every event known to man and then just have a massive stock library of pictures that people can buy from. Never known that. Yeah. See it everywhere. Yeah. Everywhere. Well, I thought it was one guy called Getty. I think it... I think. Yeah. <laughs> I should probably know this as a photographer, but I think it probably was his name to start with. I think it's an American company. So when it's like Strada mm-hmm. or... Because for me, I love the classics. Yeah. Not interested in Grand Tours. Not interested in, you know, for me, Dwarves Dorvlander and E3 Harlebecker, you know, those sort of races. They're the most fun for me as well as a photographer. Because there's no dead stages. You know, when people say, you know, where's football from? Mm. People would probably argue maybe Brazil. Mm. You know, or you could argue... Well, the English Premier League's the best. But when people say cycling, Mm -hmm. you could argue maybe a bit of Italy. Yeah. They've got a big, you know, France. I think they have the most races on in the mm. country. And Belgium. Yeah. They're, most, probably, they're probably the three. Yeah. Would most, you, people, most people are going to say Belgium, aren't they? Yeah. yeah. I, but for me, there's nothing more... I'm not going to say it turns me on, but you know when you see the ditches either side? Yeah, yeah. And it's that flat road yeah. with that concrete. Yeah. With a death line in the middle. Yeah, and there's those <laughs> houses... 
Oh, yeah. yeah. And then the street sign, which has the, the line through it, because yeah, yeah, you're yeah. leaving that yeah, village. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bit of a rainy day. Mm. <sighs> I'm all in. Yeah. Oh, it's good. I, I would good. rather watch that yeah. than... It's 50-50 with that at Liverpool. Oh, really? Liverpool on wow. the TV, yeah. yeah. I, I, I couldn't choose. Yeah, yeah. I don't mind a Belgian race. I like a Belgian race. I bet race, it's so but... atmospheric to, yeah. to photograph. Paris-Roubaix for me, though, if it's just one race of the entire year to is, watch. Is that your favourite race? Yeah. yeah. It's unbelievable. Yeah. What, more than Flanders? Oh, yeah. But yeah. Flanders gets more hype. Yeah, only by the Belgians, I think. I think a Roubaix, like, everyone I work with would rather take pictures at Roubaix. And I think... Do you think it's because Flanders is a bit... It's been done for the whole two months before. Yeah, it's I think the because they've all been on the same road. They've yeah. been on the same road for like the last two months yeah, doing yeah, the yeah. same thing and it's just a different different way around. And don't get me wrong, I like Flanders. I do. I really like Flanders. I think it's good. But Roubaix, Roubaix is Roubaix is Roubaix. It's like, yeah. it's like how people say the tour is the tour. Well, Roubaix is Roubaix. Like, it's so just unbelievable, yeah. What's the best photo you've ever taken them? Oh, God, I can never answer that. I don't know. I don't feel like I've taken... I don't think I've... Yeah. I always feel like I can take a better one. I've taken a really nice one at Roubaix, actually. Um, that's on my Is website. it of the Arenberg? No, it was just on some... It was just on some little section that wasn't particularly... A bit nondescript, really, but it was just a side-on shot with um, a rider just coming into the frame and then just the fans just the fans were all just perfectly aligned, waving flags and shouting. It kind of needs... Yeah, and that kind of goes back to what I like doing. I like to have a bit of atmosphere and the fans in there and the crowd and the riders See, kind of... That. The rider's not the most important thing in the picture. He has to be in there for context, but he's not the most important part of it. I'd go to Belgium and I'd just take photos of like the betting stands. Yeah, well, the I used hot, to do or the hot dog stands, or, or the. Do, do you know what I mean? Yeah, or, yeah. or the old granddad wearing a lot of uh, yeah. cap from nineteen. Well, again, that's another thing that I used to do, which is another thing that kind of was when I first started and I went to that national hill climb. I didn't just take the riders. There's like a load of old old boys sat at the side of the road in like tweed jackets, just watching on deck chairs, take a picture of those guys and then take a picture of people pinning the numbers on and kind of all the atmosphere and all of that. But the problem the problem I've got now is because as you get more and more clients and everyone wants pictures and you only, like, you've got a Tour de France stage where you can only do one stop and you've got four or five different teams to shoot, you kind of, you, it's difficult to be artistic. Do you know what I mean? You kind of have to, you start getting down that bit generic because like, I've, got six, I've got six teams to get here so I can't just go and stand... Yeah. miles away and get a really arty farty picture because that's one picture for everyone for the day whereas if I stand at the side of the road yeah. it's not going to be quite what I want to do and it's not quite as pretty but I'm going to have maybe 10-15 pictures if I stand at the side of the road than if I'm stood Have you got a rivalry with anyone? No, not really I don't think I don't think there's a rivalry Come on, uh, there must be No, I, don't, I wouldn't say it was a rivalry there's a couple of photographers that you were saying earlier that I was kind of the first one to do this um I guess I was from the UK, but there's the Grubers. I don't know if you follow Jared and Ashley Gruber. No. So, yeah, you should follow those guys. They're amazing. They've been doing it, they've been doing it a few more years than me. Um, and, yeah, they're very similar sort of thing to me. And they're like, I would consider them to be like... The, the goats. Yeah, definitely. Who's and this Lars von Boom, the cyclist? Uh, who's now a photographer? Yeah. So you mean Leon von Boom? That's it. Sorry, yes. what did I say? Lars <laughs> <Charles> von Boom. <laughs> yeah, just just a hybrid name you made up. He's uh, all right. He's good. Yeah, yeah, I know Leon. What's yeah. he like? He's a good guy. Yeah, he's really good. Yeah, he's won a few stages of the tour, hasn't he? Tour. He has, yeah. Might have won a Vuelta stage as well, I can never remember. Um, yeah, he's good. So he's, I've got another friend who I work with called Joris Knappen, who's a photographer from Holland as well. So he... Um, 
he's good friends with Leon, so they used to work together. So do you know I said we all kind of I work with someone now. Yeah. So Leon and Yoris kind of work together. They both work for Shimano and a few other clients. So who do you work for at the moment? Um, so Specialized is the main client. Ineos. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> do stuff for Bahrain, DSM, Lacol. Um, who else do we do stuff for? I'm probably forgetting a few. Cask and Coup. Shoot for Cask and Coup. So you're off to the tour next week. Is it next week? Yeah. Yeah. Who you'll be doing specialised in Ineos? Yes. At the same time? And Cask and Coup, and Lacol, and DSM, and Bahrain, which is why... What, the same... The same day, every day. For 21 days? 21 days. Get to fuck. Yeah, which is why I've got a friend called Chris Old, who's another photographer, and then there's a guy called Zach. So hang on, right. So Lacol, because it's Bora. Well, Lacol's Bora, so that's yeah. kind of covered by shooting specialised anyway, but if specialised... So that's a two-in-one? Well, yes, that's yeah. a two-in-one, so that's yeah. cool. So we've Bahrain. Got, so we've got Bahrain, DSM... Ineos. Ineos. Specialised. Specialised, which is which Quick, is quick, step, quick step. Bora and Total. So... Sagan's team. Three, four... DSM, five. Scott, Bahrain. Cask and Coup is basically um, Ineos, so that's a double bubble. What's Cask and Coup? Cask helmets, Coup sunglasses. Cask so Coup glasses are Cask, aren't they? So you're going to... So you'll have to think on your feet here. Yeah, so you have to... Like, that's why... Are you not fucked at the end of every stage? Because you yeah. have to be on your laptop all night in bed. Yeah, kind of. Well, what we do, what we've started doing at the tour is camping, which is amazing. I mean, I hate camping, especially in the UK when it rains. I hate camping. Never like camping. Would never advocate for camping. But then when you go to the tour, if you go in hotels, you have to leave the press room at like 7, 8 p.m., go and find a hotel, carry all your bags and your cameras to a hotel, check in, finish doing your work, Check out in the morning, carry all your stuff back to the car. And you have to pay for the hotels. Yeah, yourself. we pay for the hotels, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You might not find a car parking space next to the hotel. It's just it's just a nightmare. But so, there's no hotels left, is there? Yeah, night? you can get them. Can you yeah, just yeah. yeah, yeah. We just book if you go on booking.com and just anywhere in an area you can normally find something. Because if you if you think about it, the finish of most stages is normally a good 60, 50, 60 K to the start of the next stage. So you can be in a hotel anywhere in that like 60k diameter radius. Doesn't matter where you stay. As long so as... you camp. Yeah. So what we do now is we camp. So we've got. But what about all your kit? Are you put it in the car or the hotel? Yeah, yeah it's all yeah. in the car. Yeah. It's all in the car, and everything's in the car with our little tents and stuff. So we literally finish the stage, shoot the podium. If one of our teams has won and we want to edit quickly, then we'll go into the press room at the end of the stage and we'll edit the pictures and then put them in the Dropbox. But so... who's, whose car are you in? So I'm in my friend Chris's as well. This year I'm in the car with Yoris, who we were just speaking. And you have your own car. We have our own car. So you free. So, well, me and Yoris are in one car, and then my colleague that I work with, Chris, he's in his van with another colleague, Zach. So we can go in different directions in the and race. And are you allowed in the convoy? So you're allowed to drive on the course. Right. You're allowed to leave 10 minutes before the race starts. To get uh, to a good vantage point. To go where point. you want to go. Or yeah. you can leave... After the race has gone, after the Finder course and the broom wagon, you can go on the course at that point. But obviously, there's no point being behind no, the race. No, no, no. So no. what we tend to do every day is we'll, I'll give you a typical day. So we'll get up in the morning, we'll drive to the start, we'll go to the tour village. So there's a little tour village that has like free coffee and free madelines and stuff. So we'll all go there, meet up, have a coffee, have some breakfast, get the route out for the day, and we'll just have a look at the map where it goes, and we'll try and work out all the side roads where you can cut ahead and get back ahead of the race. So we have to do that in the morning and then we'll say, right, we'll leave 10 minutes before the race. We have to leave after 50K because there's a roundabout at 50K that lets us take an alternative road that gets us to the finish. So we'll drive that first 50K and then we'll look for something we like in that first 50K. 
and we'll stop and take a picture there and then we follow the race to the exit then we go off the race course and then we'll try and get back ahead of the race and then you obviously try and do that as many times as you can before getting to the finish and this is all while taking photos for all these different yeah yeah so yeah you'll get to that first stop you think oh this is really nice nice old french village there's a nice cathedral whatever this is gonna make a nice what happens if there's loads of people well it's just you just you can normally find like it's nice to shoot with the crowd in the shot though you don't have yeah. to have a clean shot like toddy yorkshire back in yeah the day. yeah that's what you want a lot of the time you want it you want the fans and you want all of that and then we'll basically get a position and then obviously as the peloton's coming through you i'm just shooting away just thinking got one eye out to try and spot the colors of the jerseys of the people i'm working in but mainly you're just shooting everything and then if someone's on the podium at the end you wait yeah around. yeah and then you get in the car now so we'll shoot the podium at the end and then we'll like say i'll either go in the press room edit let's say specialized, a specialised rider wins or an Ineos rider wins, we'll go quickly, yeah. edit the finish line pictures, put those in the folder so they can post on Instagram within 20 minutes, half an hour of the win. And then we'll get in the car, drive to the nearest campsite. Normally we try and get a campsite within well, 10 Well, there's loads in France. Yeah, loads. They have to in each village. Yeah, yeah super cheap, like yeah. 10 euros. So we literally drive, go but to the you, campsite. Did you get a good night's sleep though? Oh, mate, honestly, I love it. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. And we, I've got like a really cool inflatable little uh, mattress from decathlon like french yeah quality and a like little, little tent so what about wi-fi oh i've got like 4g on my phone i've never had a problem got like 4g on my phone i pay like five pound a day on my three contract i have unlimited data every day i just hotspot to my laptop i've never had a problem at the tour where i've not had service it's just it it sounds exhausting yeah so we'll get to the campsite maybe <laughs> six o'clock Pitch dry, up. Dry, pitch up, chuck all our tents out, get all our tents ready, get our little table out, plug into the power. We'll all get our laptops out, sit, edit till like 9, 10 p.m., make some food on the little stove, have a beer, and then go in the tent by 11 o'clock, go to bed, if watch a bit of YouTube, go to bed, midnight, get up at 7, do it all again for 21 days. 21 days. Yeah, must be ver- you must be emotionally and physically wrecked after. Yeah, it's tiring. Yeah. But it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel like a job. Do you know what I mean? Because it's such good fun and you're in such a privileged position to be doing all of that. Yeah. So, as, but then it is, but it is a job. And being away from family is a nightmare and it's a yeah. killer and it's horrible. And yeah, and, and you're good. doing a lot more than a rider. If you're doing three Grand Tours and the Classics, not many riders do all three Grand Tours and all the Classics and be away from home from family that long. Any, um, any stories of any riders? Anything you've seen? Any, like, any standout moments? Alaphilippe or anything or no not really we kind of like I said you kind of I keep that professional relationship mm. where they'll come to the start start in the morning and you'll say hi and you'll have a chat with them and maybe have a little bit of banter and stuff but yeah not really they're kind of they're just fully focused on racing yeah what about fun. Cav have you taken many good ones of Cav no do you know what I've never really Cav wasn't with Sky when I started he'd already left so and um, now he's not S-Works is he no so I've never actually like worked closely with Cav so I kind of know him, but I don't know if he knows... I think, well, obviously he knows me, but I wouldn't say he was one of the riders that I would... If I was walking to the podium in the morning, there's quite a few riders who would shout, hey, Russ, how you doing? Yeah, and yeah. say hi and stuff, but yeah, Cav would have been one of them, I don't really know him. Who's the most photographable? Quato used to be, when I worked for Ineos. If you ever had to do a shoot in Ineos, like, oh, we've got a new jersey coming out, we need a rider to like model this jersey, he'd be like, Quato. Because he loves doing it, and he looks good. He's just got that cool look, hasn't he? Just like, he's not got that cyclist body. He's skinny, but he's not, like, too skinny. Like, some some riders can be, like, really barrel-chested and then little arms, so clothing yeah. doesn't, like, sit properly, whereas Quato's just, like, a bit of a specimen. But I guess Vanderpool and Wout would be the boys now when they're for looking good on the bike. 
And Remco. And Remco. In his world's jersey, he's got enough stripes on that. Plenty, any. Any glasses, any shoes. Yeah, any socks. Baller. Yaz. Um, Loving it. Wow. Why, well, would, why wouldn't you? Yeah, go all in. <laughs> I know, well, like Cipollini. Yeah, from Chippo's back. Some people don't go all in, do they? Nah. I think I would, I would. Yeah, you know, you don't always get to wear the jersey, because no. he was saying the other day, there's only so many races a year, he doesn't race that much, yeah. like the pros used to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he might be in the leader jersey, or the youth jersey, yeah, or yeah. whatever, so he doesn't get to wear it. Yeah, so. Imagine being Mads Pedersen. Mads Pedersen, oh yeah. He, he won in Yorkshire, then there was hardly any races, the next year with COVID, he hardly got to wear it. Too. Wasn't that such a shame, the world's? Yeah. Oh, I was so looking forward to that, and wash out. Wash, just... The strain, Harrogate got absolutely ruined. So only just got back to normal. Yeah, that was disappointing, especially because of the way that Tour de Yorkshire had been the last few years. It had just been such a spectacle, and then it just got washed out. They're trying to bring it back, aren't they, the Tour de Yorkshire? Yeah, we'll see how that goes. They're trying to bring it. But look, it's been really fascinating. It's been the man behind the lens, you know, all we see is the finished product, but there is a human being behind that. Mm. And, you know, I wanted to get you here today to hear what goes into that image that you click on Instagram and just go, bing, you know, there's a lot more into it. Yeah. There's your life, there's yeah. travelling, yeah. Australia, England. And the irony that you're at the Tour de France and all the riders are getting skinnier and riding the bikes and getting fitter and you're just getting more unfit because you're <laughs> working 12 hours a day and just eating from service stations and they're kind of a, a massive yin and yang of everyone at the Tour de France riding is like super fit and everyone working but, on it's just getting more and more unfit. Yeah, <laughs> but you know, you're not there to, you know, it's very unique what they do. Oh yeah. No, I wasn't meaning like that. I was meaning like it's difficult for someone who's been, who's a cyclist as well, obviously not that kind of level, but as a, as a, recreational cyclist that likes riding his bike and doing that that's one of the hardest parts of the job having to have so much time off the bike do you find it helps your mental health cycling yeah i think so yeah definitely you just forget stuff don't you when you're out riding you can just you don't think about anything well i do probably think about anything but are you, are you an over- a daydreamer bit are of you a daydreamer an- when i'm on the bike are you an overthinker no i don't overthink stuff no i daydream when i'm on the bike i think yeah just riding along thinking about well, if i just won what would i do for 100 million and then i just spend it all because you're really into your watches, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. How many have you got? Oh, not that many. Ten. Eleven. Ten, eleven? Yeah, but they're not that many good ones. A couple of all right ones. I've basically sold and bought them all at the wrong time over the last few years because the prices have gone crazy over COVID. Some of the watches I've sold have gone up two or three times what I sold them for. What's your favourite watch? Um, I've just got a Rolex Explorer. Oof. 16,570, which is nice. Patek Philippe? Yeah, I like Patek. Can't afford a Patek. I'm not a rider. Riders, riders have Pateks, I don't. <laughs> I went to the um, the shop in Geneva once oh, nice. with my dad. Yeah. And my dad said, look, can we just come in and look? Yeah. And they were said, yeah, you can come in and look. Yeah. We just finished the Tour de Mont Blanc because we were in our walking. Oh, day. nice. And uh, I think the guy obviously took a bit of shine to me because I was just like, you know. Yeah. And he said, come this way. I remember he opened these two double doors, gold encrusted. He walked into this office, which I've never, whiskey... Cigar and that, mm. that's where they go to yeah. sign for one. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. they're handmade. Oh, yeah. Crazy. Yeah, the, yeah. The, and then you become part of the family, apparently. Yeah, well, a lot of those ones. But, well, you can buy some off the shelf. I mean, you can walk in and buy some of the Calatravas and some of the, the, some of the standard but, but, models. But the big, the big dollar models, like the ones that are hard to get, bespoke, you have to have yeah. spent, you have to have history with them. You have to be a customer that's probably spent two, three, four, five hundred grand already to be offered to be able to buy the million dollar watch. You can't just it's, buy the million dollar watch. It is unbelievable. That's oh, crazy money. It's, you, 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 you don't just buy it, you become part of their yeah, yeah. company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's crazy. Oh, it's uh, 
you know, like an Amiga or a Rolex you can get from, you know, still yeah, quality yeah, watches. Yeah, still awesome. No one needs any more. No one needs any more. That's like any kind of luxury, though, isn't it? No one needs a Ferrari. No one needs a Lamborghini, but people desire them, don't they? But that Petit Philippe thing was just, hey, you could get into watch photography. Uh, I've got a few friends that do that. But, um, they're really good. It's a whole different ball game. I say it's a whole different ball game. The concept's the same, but you just have to buy people in a white shirt on, on, a, on a beach. Yeah, you could do that. But look, Russ, thank you for popping on today. It's been really, yeah, really been interesting. Fun. Thank you. And look, good luck at the tour. Yeah, thank you. I hope it goes well. Yeah, me too. Hope I can try and do something different this year, but probably not. I'll probably end up just doing the same old thing. And so, <laughs> Cycling Images is the Instagram. Yep. Um, we can look on there. Yeah, that's pretty much it, really. I got rid of Facebook ages ago. Yeah, I don't have Facebook. No, got rid of Facebook. Um, hey! I'm putting a bike race on. Oh, yeah, when? September the 3rd in York. September the 3rd. Is that pre your mid-welter? <sighs> Are you doing the welter? Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. I think that is when the welter's on. I think That's it is, mate. Yeah. But anyway, if it, anyone wants to enter, it's going to be on BC soon. It's Boom. It's Well Drake. Yeah, Well Drake Circuit. Road race. Yeah, it's called Yorkshire Grit Pan Flat Road Race. That sounds like my name, Pan Flat. So it's E123 is at half past one, and the 3-4 is at 10 a.m. Is it pan flat? Have you made that up? No, it is. It's flat. It's is. It's it is flat. It is pretty flat out there, though. To be fair, isn't it? Yeah, it's flat. Um, Seventy mile, and then uh, the free falls like fifty. Brilliant. So Sunday, first September. Sounds, Sounds good. If yeah. you're not at the Vuelta, it'd be nice to. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll keep an eye on. I'll yeah. pay you a day rate of um, of a co-op meal deal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <good>. <laughs> <laughs> but no, thanks, Russ. Cheers. No problem, Tommy. I loved it, mate. Cheers. Thanks. Cheers, buddy.